Amen. Again, thank you, worship band, for leading us. And that reminder that God is so, so good. Folks, do you, remind, do you believe that? At home, do you believe that? Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you, brother. And I think that's important, and that's a good reminder, because if we just look at our surroundings, if we just look at what's going on around us, I bet we could make an argument that God is not always good. If you just look at what's going on around us and what's happening or what's not happening. But by reminding ourselves out of God's word freshly, and thank you, band, again, for that reminder, God is good. What we see with our human eyes does not change that fact. God is good. If that is the only thing you walk out of here with today, that is more than enough. God is good. Well, folks, I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about our new normal. I want to talk about our next normal. I want to talk about these next steps and, and branching out. We finally get to get back together. We finally get to start church again and start God's plans again. I want to look forward. But before we do that, I think it's incredibly important that we just stop. What we've just gone through and really are still going through with some deep stuff. And there were some hurtful things, some hard things, some ending things that were going on that we're still processing. And we're still very much in the middle of processing. And maybe as long as we live, we will still process. Loss of life, loss of security, loss of job, loss of finances, loss of relationship. There's all kinds of losses, all kinds of things ended. And I think it's incredibly important for us to just stop and deal with some of that today. I hope and pray that very soon we'll start looking towards the future again. But here's the deal. New things can't begin until some of the old things have died away. There cannot be a new start without an ending to something that was a, a new start a year or two or three years ago. There must be an ending. And the truth is we've all lost something and so we must work through it. But let me read something that I was reading this week that I thought was very interesting. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said this. Great is the art of beginning, but greater is the art of ending. What if, what if part of what we're supposed to learn from this experience and are still learning is how important it is to end things? There's a very famous book among Christian writers called Necessary Endings. In fact, I'm going to quote a few things out of that book. Stuff I've been reading these days as we've been walking through all of this, that there are some necessary endings. Well, that's one thing what a, what a poet talked about or what a, a Christian psychologist said about it. What does the Bible say about it? Let me read to you out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. See if this sounds familiar to you. There is a time for everything, says God's word, and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to tear down, to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What is God's word saying to us? There is a time for everything. There is a season for everything. And those seasons begin, of course. But those seasons also end. 
There are necessary endings in all of our lives. God's word talks about it in the Old Testament. In just a moment, we're going to read a text out of the New Testament, actually our, our sermon text for today. That is so important for us to understand. That is a part of life. That is a part of being a believer. That is not some worldly Dr. Phil, Ellen, Oprah kind of thing that you see on daytime television. That is right out of God's word. In just a minute, when we read out of John, we're going to read the same idea. But what do those endings look like? The problem is that our society is so foam fear of missing out well there's a new one now foco fear of cutting out we continue to uh, get more and want more and need more and seek more and gather more and hoard more because we don't want to miss out on anything ourselves for our spouse for our kids the problem is we're not at the same time sloughing off, ending, cutting off things that are no longer pertinent, that are no longer alive, that are no longer vital, and that is just as dangerous. In fact, let me read for you our text for today. Look at, open up to the book of John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. John chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'll read it for us here. And, that, and Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You, Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you or over you. All right, let's just take those three verses here. I believe we're going to find in these three verses spoken uh, uh, right out of God's word that, that we're going to understand what it looks like to cut off, to prune, to cut back, to, to be cleansed by God's word. Because this is a part of our lives. This is not just some pop psychology thing. This is not just something. Old Testament, even now, God is asking us to do this. And because it is in God's word, these activities are just as true for us. And I believe that if we understand God's heart in this, if we understand God's purpose in this, we will understand exactly how to do it. Folks, I'm asking you to do me a favor. I realize this is just a, a 20 or 30 minute talk, and we're talking about some deep things and some hard things. A lot of us pastors get together and we lament the fact that it's so hard. It is such difficult work to get our folks to, to start new things, like start reading the Bible, start praying every day, start coming to church each week, start tithing, all these starts. We think that's the hardest thing in the world. I'm here to tell you, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing like helping folks end things that need to be ended. That is a thousand times harder. God is asking us to end things. So if you would loosen your mind and your grip on the past and tighten your grip on God, it is not only hard to start new things, I believe it is even harder to stop old things. So number one, let's look again at verse number two. Jesus says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So that word cut off, that's an important word. We're talking about pruning, but cut off is different than pure pruning. Do we have any gardeners in the crowd? I know, I, know uh, I just visited one this week. They gave us all kinds of plants. I can't wait to put them in the ground. It was, it was beautiful to see their garden, our, our neighbor here. I love seeing his garden, all the fruit trees, the flower trees. I love gardens. I'm not a great gardener, but I appreciate gardens. And the pruning is a big part of this. But this cutting off is, is even more radical than this. It is a taking up, a carrying off, or removing of that which is dead, that which is no longer alive, that which no longer is vital or serves a purpose. 
If you've driven in, in fact, when you leave, you can look over there. We have our garbage cans right outside the church. And right next to it is a big pile of bushes and brushes and stuff that we need to get rid of. Stuff that's fallen off trees, tree limbs we've cut down. It just kind of sits there. Every few months, it'll gather up, and a couple guys will get together, bring a trailer, bring a truck, pile it on there, and carry it away. That's kind of how it does. It's mildly inconvenient to have that pile there. It doesn't really bother anything. I don't like to look at it. And so every few months, when it kind of grows beyond, what we can take we'll pile it up with a little bit of work and get rid of it that's one of the ideas the things in our in our lives that are mildly inconvenient that are dead they don't serve any more purpose and yet they're still laying around but then there's this word bear bear fruit now bear is a very different word that doesn't mean just to to have fruit on it but to openly to present fruit or even to publicly make know that you have fruit to be clearly seen by all and that's different that's not just a pile of brush off on the side that no one really notices until it gets too big this is stuff that everyone sees and they wonder how long is he going to carry that around with him how long is she going to drag that along that old habit that old way of thinking maybe even that old relationship it's dead It doesn't belong anymore. Everyone can see it, but you. And God says these necessary endings are there. Let me read just a a quick quote out of that book, Dr. Cloud. We've watched some of his videos in our marriage seminars. This is what he says about necessary endings. He says this, Getting to the next level always requires ending something, leaving it behind and moving on. Growth itself demands that we move on. Without the ability to end things, people stay stuck, never becoming who they are meant to be, never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities should afford them. Let me give you an example out of this world, the church world, pastor world. We're not immune to this. We make this mistake all the time. I was reading a a different book on this subject as I was preparing this message, and I found a colleague of mine that lives in New York City, where he's been a pastor for 27 years. He said as a young man, he wasn't even on staff yet. He was just part of an old downtown church in a big city that, you know how it, the story goes, it had dwindled down to just a, a few dozen people there, and the, the bills were mounting up. So they got everyone together, and they said, we've got to make some changes. We've got to bring this thing into the 20th century. Back then, it wasn't even the 21st century. He said, we've got to modernize. We've got to change stuff, cut some stuff out. Start some new stuff. And they made this list of all that needed to be done. And they looked at the list together. And together, they decided it would be just too painful to make all those changes. So they did nothing. Two years later, the church closes doors. And it no longer exists. The same pastor tells a story that years later, he was on staff in a very different church, a very alive church with a, a new pastor, all kinds of activities. In fact, He says it this way. Let me read his words. He says this. Rapid numerical growth forced the leadership team to consider new building expansion, incorporating more contemporary music, younger and more innovative staff, as well as other new initiatives. But what I did not understand was how the pain of ending was necessary in order to make way for the new. This transition process was so painful and difficult, the pastor grew weary of trying to manage a seemingly endless stream of internal conflicts. He eventually gave up and moved on to a new ministry. Even in the church, even a pastor, even someone that should know better, 
falls prey to this problem of wanting more, gathering more, bring more, and afraid to cut things out that are no longer vital, that no longer play a role. Folks, there are at least three different things that we need to pray about cutting out. Number one are the things that no longer belong. Two are activities. Three are relationships. What are some things? I'll give you a quick example. Guys, corduroys. If you still got some corduroys in the back of your closet, just go ahead and give them up. Next, VHS players. About every other month, I get a phone call from someone saying, Pastor, I have some stuff I want to bring by the church. I think you can use it. I've got a whole box full of great old Jesus movies and a VHS player to play them on. Can you use it, Pastor? (laughs) No. (laughs) How about your old Blockbuster video membership card? You don't need it. There are things in our life, they are dead. They're no longer relevant. They're not going to come back to life, and we need to cut those things. But there's also activities. I, I remember when our kids were younger, we had four kids, we would traditionally go to the playground. Not perfect. We had a playground or some toys in our backyard, of course. We'd go to a playground. Number one, the kids loved it. Number two, we had a little break from the kids. They got to play, and my wife and I could talk. But also, we could talk to other parents. And it was a great way to make uh, contact and talk to folks, maybe eventually invite them to church or some kind of activity we were doing at church. It was, it was a win-win-win for everybody involved. Well, now my kids are 20 years and up. If I go to a ba- playground now and hang out, you know what I'd be? I'd be the old creeper. I can't do that. That was a very effective ministry tool. That was very important for our family. We loved doing that, and we felt like God was calling us to do that at the time. But that season has now ended. Now, when grandbabies come on, I promise you, I'll be right back at that playground, but not a day before. There are things in our life that we must release. We must ask the question, even if there are relationships that we must cut off. Now, this is a harsh word. The word cut off sounds so corporate, sounds so, so, so worldly. To just, you, what, do you just cut off people? You just throw them away? You just kick them to the curb? How in the world are we supposed to talk like that in church? We don't do that, pastor. What God's talking about here is not the kind of thing where if there's a misunderstanding and there's an argument and two guys or two gals or two brothers in church can't get along, that you just write them off and you just cut them out of your life. That's not at all what God is saying. Of course, that is not what God is saying. But there are some relationships, and I'm talking about relationships to habits, but even to people that have just outlived their time. Now, I don't want to say usefulness. That sounds so, so personal and selfish, but outlived their time. In fact, I would... I would as you pray about this, if God brings a certain relationship to mind, I would ask you to ask two questions. Number one, am I still able to influence or am I still able to pour into that person's life? Or is that person still able to influence me or pour into my life? And if the answer is no, that may be a sign for you that it is time to cut off that relationship. And it it might not even be for a bad reason. It might just simply be distance. I had great relationships when I was a missionary in Germany. And occasionally I'll get an email or a phone call or a Skype call from one of them. And we reignite the relationship and it's great. But it's not like it was 15, 20, 30 years ago. There is a time and a place. And so if there's things taking up time and energy, God is calling us to cut those out, but there's also a time when God's calling us to cut some things back. There's that famous word pruning. Look at the rest of verse 2, chapter 15, verse 2. He cuts off every branch of me that bears fruit. In the second half, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or cuts back so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, this is different. 
The cutting off is just literally hacking off, ending like the dead brush, literally carrying it up, carrying it away, removing that which no longer is alive. This is different. We're talking about a branch, and y'all are gardeners. You know what it's like. You got your hibiscus bushes. You got your mango trees. You got your rose bushes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't have any wine branches here because we're in Florida, but, well, maybe central Florida does, but, but you can picture what I'm talking about here. A, a branch full of flowers, full of fruit, full of whatever it needs, and that branch produces more than it can, than it can actually carry. And so there is a time when you trim off some to make the good branch better. There's a time when you trim off some to make a better branch the best branch. And that belongs to life. That is a godly principle. It's right how here, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. And this is just what our FOMO culture needs to hear because we continually want more and attract more and collect more and hoard more. Folks, you only need to drive through Cape Coral for 20 minutes and all the garage doors that are hanging open, you know exactly what I'm talking about. More, 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 more. And it's not even useful stuff. But the fear, the pain, the heartache of cutting it off or cutting it back is too great. This uh, Dr. Cloud, who uh, wrote the book that I was uh, quoting from, he gives a story about a friend of his who had, start, um, had become the CEO of a business. And the business was fairly successful, uh, annual sales of about $20 million. So it was a pretty good-sized company. In five years, that company grew from $20 million a year to $500 million a year. So Dr. Cloud went to him and said, how in the world did you do that? Maybe I can learn some principles that I could share with the folks that I speak to in my conferences. And the guy said, well, it's actually pretty simple, pretty straightforward. When I got there, I looked at all that company was doing, and the first thing I did was I cut out 80% of that company's activity. We, we, we cut back, we pulled back 80% of the products, the activity that that little company was doing, and we focused on the other 20%. And uh, Dr. Klaus said, that, that's crazy. I can't even imagine what that was like. Is it because those things were so not, uh, unprofitable, they were losing money? He said, actually, no, just the contrary. They were just as profitable as the 20% we kept. Dr. Cloud said, then, then why did you do that? How did you decide? And why did you cut those and keep others? He said, here's the deal. I saw the future of that company. I saw the life of that company in the 20% that we kept. Now, I get it. That's a business example. We're not talking about business. This is a church. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about families. We're talking about people. We're talking about children of God. We're not talking about cutting stuff out and then and, and filing for bankruptcy and firing. That, that's so worldly. We're not talking about that, folks. And yet, there are times in our lives when God is calling us to prune to make that branch as profitable, uh, to maximize the, the, the productivity of that tree, of that family, of that time that we have available for our families, there are things that we have to cut back. But when we begin cutting things back, cutting things back out of my life so I have more time for my family, cutting things back so I have more time to invest in my church, cutting things back so I have more time to invest in personal relationships, those are all good things. But when we cut those things back, there is going to be a harsh time of waiting and again i'll just give you the example of the wine uh, the 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 grapevine you've all seen them in the fall full of leaves full of grapes that's a beautiful picture green grapes red grapes 
blue grapes, whatever kind of grapes. That's a beautiful picture. Now, if you see that same vine just a few months later, you know exactly what that looks like. It looks like a, a nasty, old, naughty stick in the middle of a field. You think, what could ever come from that? Well, that's the key. That's the secret. That's how you get that beautiful vine full of leaves and full of grapes, luscious grapes, is because you have cut it back and you've pruned back the things that don't belong, that would keep it from becoming that which it is. But this waiting time is hard. Abraham, he waited 25 years before God gave him Isaac. Joseph waited 20 years before God brought back his family. Moses waited 40 years as they walked through the desert. Job waited year after year after year before God renewed and restored his family. That waiting time is a part of it. But here's the deal. In that waiting time, that's where God gets our heart. We deeply, Jesus is deeply formed in us when we trust God enough to allow him to make cuts and endings and losses in our lives. Let me say that one more time. We, we deeply are rooted in Jesus, and Jesus is deeply rooted in us when we trust God enough to allow him to make cuts and losses and endings in our life. There are things that we will need to uh, cut back, whether it's uh, ministry, we have overextended ourselves, whether it's responsibilities at work or at home, we have overextended ourselves, whether it's hobbies, there's a a time and a place for our hobbies. Uh, I, I used to love playing tennis all through high school, all through college, all as a young married. But when the kids came around, it was just, it was just too hard. A, a, a tennis game involved hanging out with the guys, going for something to eat afterwards. It was, it was half a day every time I went. It just wasn't in the schedule with four little kids in the house. And I had to radically cut that out of my life. I hate it. That doesn't mean I don't play now. Now, finally, thanks to guys like Jerry and, and Dan and others here at church, they're dragging me back out on the court. So finally I get to reconnect. That's my hobby. Whatever your hobby is, there's a time and a place. There's a season for that to begin and for it to stop and maybe, Lord, willing to begin again. But we have to let God do that. And there's two questions I want you to ask about each one of these things that God is calling you to pull out of. Is it just a time waster or is it a time tyrant or taskmaster? Let me explain the difference. A time waster is anything to do with video games. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, young people. Uh, that is not... That was, a little, that was harsh, sorry. <laughs> Anything that you do that just literally just chews up, you know, all of a sudden an hour's gone. Social media can be that way. It can. It doesn't have to be. I'm not slamming social media, but it can be that way. You can get lost checking your feed and checking other things. Anything that's just a time waster, that's probably going to be high on the list of things that need to be radically eradicated. But then there's also the time tyrants or taskmasters, and those are things that have control of you. Now, the extreme case of that would be uh, an addiction. And then an addiction, you would need uh, spiritual and professional help to get free from that. But there are other taskmasters that demand your time, that demand your attention, that demand parts of your life, that if you give it over to that, you therefore do not have that margin to do other things that maybe God is calling you to. In order to do the things that God is calling you to do, you must end certain things, prune them back, to be able to do what God's calling. And then thirdly, you thought it was hard this far. Cutting off, cutting back, that ain't nothing. Wait to hear about clean. Look at verse 3. Jesus says, you are already clean 
because of the word I have spoken to you or over you. Now, what does that word clean mean? It's the word catharsis. Sounds like cathartic. We, in English, we understand that word. There is a difference here. That this is not just cleaning back, pruning back, or even cutting off. This is a pru- uh, 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 purifying and a, a, a clearing out of ourselves. If you know what a cathartic experience is like, it's something that purifies you, purges things in you that don't belong there anymore. If you need a good cathartic experience this afternoon, it's kind of a rainy day, click on the movie The Notebook, and the tears will start flowing. And by the end, you'll be crying like a big, whiny baby. Now you'll think, how in the world did that movie get that kind of response from my little heart? It didn't. It just opened the floodgates. That stuff was in you already, and when the floodgates opened, it just all came out. Or you get in an argument, and you think, this is a silly little argument with your spouse, with your colleague, with a friend, and, and it just starts out small, and you, know, you, you think, okay, we're just about done, and then one more word is said, that opens those floodgates, and blah, you just vomit all over your colleague, all over your spouse, even all over your kids. Things that are in you coming out is cathartic. And God says, I have cleansed you with my word. I have taken those things that do not belong. I have purged you, cleansed you, purified you. All that was unhealthy, all the impurities, I have removed you with the goal of making you clean. This is a hard one. Because those impurities could be one of two things. Now, one would be sin. And that's exactly what God wants to purify us from, but that's another sermon for another day. I want to focus on the second thing, and that would be unhealthy relationships. There are some relationships that we have in our lives that maybe others know about, maybe no one knows about, because these are relationships not only to people, but even to things, to to old habits, to old ways of thinking, to old attitudes. These are deep-rooted, unhealthy relationships These are the kind of things we don't just cut off so easily, prune back so easily, just give up so easily. We don't just toss them on the garbage heap to to get rid of in a couple of weeks. This is stuff that has deep down roots, and that's why this is the hardest part. These are deep roots of codependence. These are deep roots of guilt. These are deep roots of abandonment. These are deep roots of shame. There's another story right here in Luke. Let me read it for you just quickly that talks exactly about this. Jesus is telling another story that gives good insight on what this would look like. I'll read it for you. It's Luke chapter 13, verses 6, 7, and 8. Luke 13, 6, 7, and 8 says this. Then he told, Jesus told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he wanted to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man said, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. All right, this is also from Jesus. He's also talking about things that are producing fruit or not producing fruit, things that are alive, that are vital, that are a part of our life, that belong there, that serve a purpose there, and things that don't, and how you treat those things differently. It's even talking about second chances. I find three things interesting about that little story to close with. Number one, I find it interesting that it took this guy three years to get to the place of getting rid of the tree. 
He'd come probably at least once a year, maybe many times each year. But finally, after three years, he got to the place where he said, this tree is not fruitful. It doesn't belong here. It's just wasting, sapping my energy, my work schedule, my heart. And he said, it's time for it to go. Second of all, I find it interesting that he listened to and even followed the advice of a wise counselor. He listened to and he followed the advice of a wise counselor. And then thirdly, I find it interesting that even after he gave it another chance and another chance, and here yet another chance, the answer was, if it doesn't change, if it doesn't become vital, if it is not alive in my life, even after all this, he still would cut it out. Interesting. It's as if God is saying that there are some relationships to things, to habits, even to people, where this side of heaven, we will not see reconciliation. There are some relationships that we have in this world, still this side of heaven, that even after we try again and again and again and again, and we do everything right, there still will not be reconciliation. There's a lot of information, and you weren't even expecting it today. You thought we were going to talk about new things and next things and the best thing and where we're going. You didn't want to sit in the corner and belly button navel uh, inspection time. You didn't want to think about the past, but I really believe, brothers and sisters, this is so important. We must deal with the things that we are dragging with us, schlepping with us. I say it in Miami. We schlep stuff along. Stop schlepping. Don't be a putz. Stop schlepping and follow Jesus. Let go of the things that you're not supposed to be holding on to. In fact, I realize this is a big decision to make in just a 30-minute talk, so I understand if you're not there yet, but I ask you to do this for me. There's three questions I want you to ask. If, if anything is coming to mind, anything, whether it's the cutting off phase, the cutting backstage, or the cleansing phase, wherever God is speaking to you, ask yourself these three questions. You may not be there yet, but I want God to keep working your heart. We close with this. Number one, are you facing facts or are you facing feelings? As you're thinking about that thing that you think God may be telling you to cut off, to cut back, to cleanse yourself from, are you, are you really listening to facts on that relationship or that person or that, that activity? Or are you just going off of feelings? Second question. Are you talking to mentors, to, to wise counsel, guys or gals in your church or, or people you trust? And not Dr. Phil and not Oprah. I mean like godly people in your life that are speaking truth into your life. Are you listening to them and what they're telling you about that relationship or that activity or that thing? And then thirdly, these two questions. What is it that you feel God is asking you to let go of? To cut off, cut back, or cleanse? And second follow-up question of that is, if I were to do that, what new thing might God do in my life? Because I've made margin, space, availability for something new. What do you think God's calling you to cut off, cut back, cleanse, prune, and if you did it, what would God do new in your life? I get it if you're not there yet. This is fast. You weren't expecting it. We're sitting in a funny direction and everything's new. But let those three questions kind of percolate in your brain, in your heart, in your spirit. 
I believe there are things God is calling us to end so that he can do new things. And I love talking about new things. But I feel strongly about this, that God is calling us to end some things to create the opportunity for him to do new things. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity we've had. God, your word is true. Your word is straight shooting. Your word is so clear on this. Forgive us, Jesus, when we don't take advantage of the opportunity we have to follow your word. Strengthen us. Give us the willingness and the wherewithal to not only think these thoughts and create a list in our mind of what could be, but God, to put, uh, put our faith in action, our trust in action to follow you to do that. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.newhopecapecoral.com.